All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Wednesday. It's October 21st. I'm Doug Norian. Over there is James Davis. And we are bringing you a cash game podcast for week seven. Week seven already. Feels like it's football. I've always feel like the football season kind of sneakily is past is getting past you before you know it. Does that make sense? I don't know if it doesn't feel like it should be that way because it's a once every week thing, but I don't know, maybe that just means life speeding by and not actually football, <laughs> like more than more than anything else. I don't know. It's, it's existential like, on us, yeah. Yeah, maybe we get like, oh my God, where's the time gone? I mean, in these COVID times. Soon maybe I'm going to be 50 and I'm going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, maybe. Does it feel like that to you or do you just kind of, did I take it too, did I take it too dark a turn? I, was, I guess not a No, I think turn. the beginning of the season was also very hectic with so many sports going on at once. So I think that was part of it. And that's unusual for us for football. Usually like we're doing the baseball petering out thing. And then, you know, it's quite quiet, but obviously basketball is intense. And just life is pretty intense, too. Presidential election. It's, it's, uh, yeah, you want to talk about your presidential election betting um, that you got going on, or is that not something you want to get into here? Oh, sure. I'm happy to talk about that I because I still think I haven't looked at the odds recently. But I think, you know, regardless of what winds up happening, I think there were times in this fall where betting Biden uh, was one of the best bets, like in terms of like, the odds relative to expectation, understanding that sometimes things don't happen the way they're supposed to, um, was one of the best bets of our lifetime. I'd say second after uh, Mayweather-McGregor for like how much you could get down on it. And yeah, Biden's down to minus one fifty-five too. I think that's a really good number. So I'm a I'm, I backed up the proverbial truck on Biden. That was around plus one ten. I have added a little bit in this like minus one fifty range, but I think it's a I think it's a good spot if you go on actual data and polling rather than anecdotes like the size of rallies and this one guy you know who voted for Trump but then lied to the polls. So that's my that's my take right now. All right. Presidential cash game podcast. We got that going. Okay. Let's get into the uh, plays here for week seven. Do have some teams on buys. We bring back Thursday football this week, Giants and Eagles. So we're not going to talk about that. We're going to focus here just on the main slate of plays um, I do think there's some interesting things, some carryovers from week to week, some question marks that we're going to need to handle, uh, and I, I have, want your opinion on you know, some new additions to the team. But let's start with quarterback. The, some of the big guys here aren't on the slate. Um, you know, We don't have Lamar Jackson on the slate. We don't have Russell Wilson on the slate. But we do have some of the other guys, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. I actually wrote up Watson first here. Do you think we've seen enough over the two weeks since Bill O'Brien was fired and it kind of does come on the heels of like a pretty bad run for them. Although, I don't know, because maybe the KC thing doesn't look as good now. Uh, that was the first game of the year. But Watson has really just kind of just returned to what we expected him to be at the beginning of the year, which was among that top elite group of quarterbacks. And over the last two weeks has 100% shown that that's the case. Do you think that he's back here? I don't know if it's a regime change or not, or if it's just kind of got it out of the malaise of the early season, but are you really willing to put Watson right back in that top group um, that I mentioned before? Sure. I mean, say what you will about his beginning of the season, too, but it's not like he was terrible from a fantasy perspective, right? Um, he still scored 22 fantasy points against KC. Tougher games against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, two tough defenses with 16 and 18 fantasy points, and then 20-plus in every other game, right? So he's it's very tough for Watson to kill you with his role in the Texans offense right now and possible for him to absolutely get there um it's worth noting that the last two week or weeks have been his best matchups of the season against Jacksonville and Tennessee both of them have 
uh, bottom 10, well, Jacksonville, the very worst, but then uh, Tennessee also a bottom 10 defense in terms of DVOA against the pass. So uh, two good matchups for him the last two weeks, but I think I don't totally get why the price is just going down here. So I'm happy to continue to be a buyer. A Green Bay, for what it's worth, also a bottom seven uh, passing defense via, via DVOA. We just saw old man Tom uh, carve him up last week. So, yeah, Green, yeah, I think Watson is an easy cash game play here. Green Bay is sneaky, just bad defense. They're 30th in DVOA this year. Um, I, I don't think people have kind of like honed in on that because Rodgers has been so good and the record's okay. But right. their defense by the, at least DVOA metrics is they're terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like only only the Raiders and Jacksonville are worse than them. I was actually kind of shocked when I saw that today or yesterday when I was writing it up. I mean, I knew they hadn't been great, but I – didn't real. I don't know the Tampa Bay game just really drove him down into the basement, but um, I was I was a little little surprised to see that number so low. I'm fine going back to Watson here. We played him at a pretty underowned number in cash, and I want to caution people. We talked about this in the podcast. I know we talked about Stafford as a cash game play, but hesitantly, um, mostly because you know for the reasons that we mentioned the the podcast last week, which were doesn't run. You need so much to go right, and I get it was Jacksonville, but. And he was the chalk play, like on FanDuel, and we played Watson for more, and he just destroyed him. It was one of the main reasons our cat lineups easily cashed on FanDuel is because it kind of just played out exactly as we had as we had talked about it. And so I know we mentioned Stafford, but I'm always I gotta throw a caution out there. By the way, I'm about to mention two guys right after this that fit the Stafford mold. But the um, it is just one of those cases where you just can't underrate how good this top tier of quarterbacks is, right? Like there's just a group at the top right. here. And they're just significantly better than everyone else with a significant. And the reason they're better is because their floor is so much higher. They just do. There's so much more integral to what their teams do. Now, as as I say that, I'm about to talk pivot to two guys who maybe are less underwhelming. I didn't write up, by the way, I didn't write up Kyler Murray. I think I could have. Um, I just kind of wanted to give out one top tier play that I liked and then um, kind of give some other cheaper guys. So here's my who's playing Jacksonville quarterback of the week, and that's Justin Herbert. Now, he's been, yeah. from a fantasy perspective, Pretty decent, actually. The team has not been very good. They've lost every game since he's become the starter. But he himself has been pretty good, right? Sixty, Completing almost 70% of his passes, has nine touchdowns to three interceptions. Um, the matchups were the kind of hit or miss, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, teams like that. But he gets to play Jacksonville, who, again, they're, they're just by degrees worse against the pass than anybody else. Would you feel okay with the Justin Herbert situation here, knowing that what you're doing is you're going a little bit down the tier to be able to pay up elsewhere? Yeah, and always, as always, these decisions come down to what I'm getting in exchange for my money. Uh, when we get to running back, we'll see that running back is pretty tough this week, and there's a strong argument for wanting to go double expensive. Uh, I think a wide receiver, we actually have a lot of cheap value. But yeah, right now, I mean, Herbert looks at least from a TFS perspective, looks pretty darn electric. I mean, last week, I think you can say he, or his last game, rather, I think you can say he ran hot against the Saints, you know, completing just 20 of 34 passes, isn't always going to yield 264 yards, four touchdowns and no picks, right? So um, you can't count on that. But I mean, he was super efficient against Tampa Bay. He was great against Carolina. So I think, yeah, I think he's a real deal. I think he's probably a hair too cheap here. Um, and, And one note here on New Orleans, that game, I don't know if it's a one-to-one correlation, but that game, um, Keenan Allen left really early with back spasms. Like, he's reported to be okay, and he had really leaned on Allen since coming in, in, like, basically just taking over. 
And I don't know if we saw the decreased efficiency just because Allen wasn't playing, but there was a clear thing that happened, at least in that game, that you can maybe start to explain why that was his worst game. Because the games before, 80% completion, 71% completion, 67% completion. Then right, he had dropped. 40 targets to Allen in those three games. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you're like, okay, the guy that he's just completing pass after pass to just stopped playing. Now, Allen's cleared the play and totally fine this week. Um, we'll get mm. to him shortly. But, um, yeah, I think there's even reasons you can look at that game and say, oh, there's a reason this happened. Now, you, you know, the one case against Herbert here is they're really big favorites. They get up early, like we saw with Stafford. They don't really need the pass anymore, and that can dumpster you a little bit. Uh, so just, you know, keep an eye on that situation. But I do think you're going to see some Herbert ownership here in cash. The third guy I wrote up, and this is really mostly for DraftKings uh, because there's a really big price drop-off here. Actually, I, I kind of piled them together or grouped them together because – I saw them as being similar guys. And that's the bad quarter. Well, I'm not sure they're bad. Uh, bad teams, quarterbacks coming really cheap in decent matchups. And I grouped together Joe Burrow and Kyle Allen. They are really cheap on DraftKings this week. Uh, Burrow is 5,500 uh, and he's playing the Browns. And then Kyle Allen plays, uh, he's 5,200 and he's playing that Dallas defense that hasn't stopped a single team this year. And it looked even worse when they got when they couldn't even keep the offense on the field as much uh, with that, without Dak. Now this is again I'm 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 sectioning this only to DraftKings, okay? Um, because the pricing difference, the price, you know, th- these guys are coming more than two thousand dollars cheaper than a guy like Watson. Could you stomach playing one of these guys because it really helps fill out the rest of the lineup with with you know high floor plays elsewhere? And that sometimes cannot be the case with DraftKings where you're you know dumpster diving. Sometimes just to be able to round out a lineup that you can kind of stomach going into cash games. Yeah, absolutely. And I, if I had to pick, I, I think I'd just go with Burrow. I think the the track record so far this season, frankly, has been better. Uh, four 300-yard games for Burrow. Uh, he's got a couple stinkers, but mostly against that one game against Baltimore where he was truly awful. He was just running for his life the whole game. So I don't want to hold that against him going into you know a much cozier matchup against the Browns here. Uh, against Cleveland earlier in the season, he threw the ball 61 times for 316 yards and three touchdowns. It was his best game in the season. I think he's a great DraftKings play, and I would strongly prefer him over Kyle Allen. Yeah, the Allen thing, I, I was encouraged by what he did. You know, He left the first game that he started for Haskins getting hurt. He was looking okay in that game, actually. He was 9 for 13. Uh, he had 74 yards at that point. Okay, not not going to light the world on fire, but not terrible. Last week when he had to throw a little bit more, still was pretty good. 74% completion percentage, threw 42 times for only 280 yards. They're not going to get the ball downfield a lot. Started to develop a connection with McLaurin, which he liked, two touchdowns. Um, I, could go, I could go with either one of these guys, I think. Um, I, I get that the pedigree on Burrow is better for sure. I do think the matchup for Allen is a little bit better. And on DraftKings, where it really does come down sometimes to splitting the finest of hairs, um, maybe I'm a little more comfortable just taking the 300 savings, but it's really close. But mostly I was just kind of saying, this is these are the group of guys that I want to, I think I'm going to want to target on DraftKings this week because there is such a price disparity. And like we said before, this is the site where if you want to start playing Alvin Kamara and guys, you know, maybe a cheap, more expensive wide receiver or a tight end or something like that, God forbid, then you do need to start taking the savings elsewhere. Uh, let's take a quick break, then we'll get back to running backs. All right, running backs. We kind of alluded to the idea that this might be a week to spend up at running back. It often is weeks to spend up at running back. Last week we saw, you know, paying up for Derrick Henry was the play. 
paying up for Alexander Madison was not the play, even though everyone did it. Uh, Mike Davis was <laughs> there. What do we want to do here with running backs this week? Um, I be- with, the, with the idea, I think the Christian McCaffrey thing is a wait and see. I'm not sure where if he's coming back yet. But uh, where do you want to go with running backs? We're not going to play him at 10,000. Well, I was more speaking um, about Mike Davis, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Davis is kind of fringe in our system right now. I don't think he's a bad play, but... Um, I think starting off for me with Alvin Kamara makes a lot of sense this week. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on it. Kamara is not a guy I've always been in love with. And I always hesitate to recommend him. But the thing I like about Kamara right now is that basically uh, since Michael Thomas went down, he really has been like they'll try it on the ground first. And then as soon as it's not working, like he'll get double digit targets. Um, Michael Thomas's situation is pretty weird right now. Like, he's got this ankle injury, but then he was also getting in trouble for disciplinary reasons. I, and that was in week five, like the Saints didn't play last week. So it's really tough to know what's going on with this until we get more news. I don't know if you've seen something that I haven't. Um, If Thomas were to sit, then I think Kamara is kind of an autoplay. I think if Thomas returns, then I would be less bullish on Kamara. But I think right now, you know, all these big money running backs have some warts around them. And I still think we need at least one, if not two of them. And so we can discuss them all. And then maybe you can break down your feelings. But so I think there's Kamara for me. He's number one if Michael Thomas sits. And then we get into this interesting tier with Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott. So I'll start with Derrick Henry just because he's actually just been pretty incredible the last few weeks. Uh, Henry, you know, he, he really winds up getting there against Houston both in overtime and at the end of regulation, like a 94-yard touchdown. He was already decent, but that's how he turned that into the best running back game of the season so far. Uh, Prior to that, he had been pretty pedestrian on a per-touch basis, but he's really getting into the end zone, and he's basically the plan when Tennessee gets down and close. The problem is that he's going up against Pittsburgh. Now, you were talking about going into last week how Pittsburgh's DVOA in the season when it comes to adjusting for strength, the schedule was not as strong as it's kind of absolute DVOA. They're being regarded in sort of the public right now as one of, if not the best defenses in the entire league. We watched them go out and absolutely curb stop the Browns last yeah. week, including getting a defensive touchdown from Mika Fitzpatrick. Are you feeling like they're not a team we want to run $9,000 worth of running backs into? Or, you know, because there's actually just a lot of moving parts on the Henry play, right? It's like, <laughs> it could be... Uh, you know, you could not trust the age on this. You could not trust the matchup against Pittsburgh defense. You could just prefer someone else. What's your gut reaction on Derrick Henry right now? My gut reaction has been I kind of don't want to play him all year because now and we did play him last week, right? Because the numbers just bored sure out. Did, yeah. Um, just because it gets so expensive for before that ninety-four yard run, a really inefficient guy. But inefficiency doesn't matter so much when you just touch the ball. 25 times a game right so and and you get all the touchdowns so I don't want to do it I will say for the Pittsburgh defense there are times where DVOA yes the strength of schedule hurts them I'm putting it in quotes because they've been but at the same time they've been dominant against the teams that just happen to fall on their schedule right so you can't fault them for being awesome against the bad teams and so at that point you just have to especially through six weeks of the year you have to assume they're just they are an awesome defense, right? Like Because we've just seen too many other teams. All the examples, it's just teams, you know, Vegas goes out and beats the Chiefs, right? Not saying the Chiefs are a good defense, but 
now through this many weeks, it's just reasonable to have like kind of let your foot off the gas at some point, and Pittsburgh has. And so, yes, their the strength of schedule has been the easiest. Part of the reason it's been the easiest because they've killed those teams that they played, so they contribute to that too. And so, um, I just don't really think I want to run a running back into their defense here. Um, but I'm with you in that if, when we look down this list, I'm just going to go through this because, and I'll briefly go through the problems with each of these guys. Going back to Kamara, correct. If Thomas plays, and I think he will. I think we have to reduce Kamara's target expectation at least some. Not not doesn't need to you know bring it all the way down to nothing, but if he's getting so many through the air and Thomas we know gets tons of targets, then we have to reduce it some and that might take him out of there. Zeke Yeah, being and being a ninety three hundred dollar player means you everything has to be perfect for you, right? Like if that's gonna be if you're gonna invest that percentage of your salary on FanDuel, losing anything with how close things are and how tight pricing is generally is going to take you out of the lineups. So and Kamara and, and, and this and Kamara is like the third highest like DraftKings scoring player of the year so far, right? Per game. Mm-hmm. So this is this would be a tough one. Um, and maybe we reduce the targets and we're still kind of comfortable with it. Then you go down to Zeke. Okay, the Zeke touched the ball a ton last game and he got benched mid game for fumbling twice. Is that bound to happen again? Fumbles have not been a problem of his for him in the past, so. You want to believe that's not going to be an issue. Dallas is underdogs to Washington, so the, this Dallas season's gone off the rails. So, he, so you you can't you can't really trust the Zeke thing. You, we just mentioned Henry. I'm just going by where we have projections. Um, you have Aaron Jones. Uh, it's tough to trust that situation completely, though. I don't mind that play. Um, then we have guys like Kareem Hunt and James Conner. I don't know. I, there's probably enough to like around the next tier down that. We maybe don't have to spend. We have Clyde Edwards Flair. Like, what, what's Le'Veon Bell going to do there? I'm, I'm not trying to make this the all list of the running back podcast, but it's more to say there probably are enough questions around this top tier that I'm going to lead you into this. Is there a guy in the next tier down that we can get into? Because I'm, I'm, I'm feeling increasingly uncomfortable with this, this group of expensive guys. Yeah, I'll weigh in on Zeke real quick and say that I'm, I think I'm more comfortable with him than you are. Um, Cowboy, it is crazy on that line, though. The Cowboys opened as two-point favorites. And it was immediately bet basically to plus one for the Cowboys. Right. So that's uh, that's troubling for sure. But um, yeah, I just don't think, I mean, yeah, the fumbles have been bad so far this season. Sometimes coaches get fed up. I just don't see them just benching him for Tony Pollard after paying him all that money and having the high profile back injury on top of it. I just don't, I don't know. Something just doesn't sink there with me. But again, at 9,500, you got to be a perfect play basically in order to warrant that price. So, so maybe we're off it. Um, in the next tier, I think there is some stuff to get somewhat excited about. So uh, the guy that I like best right now, I think, is Kareem Hunt. Um, Hunt's game log looks a little funny just because there's been some odd game scripts recently, particularly just getting absolutely blown out by Pittsburgh. He did get 24 opportunities against Indy in the prior game, and I think that's more the type of usage we should expect in a closer game. Uh, the Browns going into this week are favorites over Cincinnati, and... That's not a situation they're going to find themselves in all the time. But with how bad Baker's looked as well, I just have to think they're going to lean on Hunt. Uh, he was super efficient against Cincinnati in their first meeting in the season, carrying the ball 10 times for 86 yards and a touchdown. I think he's cheap enough, and I think the opportunity is secure enough here that I think you can roll him out there. Um, yeah, so I, I, I like Hunt. I, I think there's other options in this range that are moderately interesting as well. I mean, Mike Davis is still there. He's now kind of expensive at 7700 
Uh, the targets haven't borne out in the same way that we all expected. There's also James Conner going up against Tennessee. Um, you know, Conner, the opportunity really was there last week. He got 20 carries against Cleveland. He winds up getting a couple of his touchdowns vultured. Uh, one of those was just Benny Snell's, you know, coming and get in during garbage time and getting one. So I don't know that uh, that's something we can worry about. But yeah, that's kind of the group in the mid-range for me. Um, then you got Clive edwards helaire who's got Le'Veon Bell showing up. So I don't think that's a play, but... Um, what do you yeah. think in that mid-range? I mean, I think for me it's Hunt and then kind of Connor 1B, but I'm not married to it. To me, the Edwards-Hilaire thing is the, is, the, is the toughest one because he would be the auto-lock play of the week if Bell wasn't going, you know, flying in there this week to play. And sure. I just don't – because, I mean, he, they, they used him a ton last game, and he's running so – he still continues to run so bad on the touchdowns. He had one another one called back last week. Um, it's just week after week with this, with him getting touchdowns called back. They're still giving the ball. He touched the ball 30 times last game, right? Like, and they're huge favorites over Denver. I don't know. I'm going to – we have to really monitor this Bell situation. If it's like – and this is like the beat – this is where beat reporters are going to be really important because – they're going to know how many snaps he took with, like, you know, what teams, if he was taking snaps at all. And if he wasn't, then I think we've definitely run CEH out here. But if, if, if yeah, Jake Glazer reported that Bell was supposed to, was brought in to supposedly take the pounding off Clyde Edwards Lair and that the Chiefs weren't comfortable with all the work they were giving him. So Ugh. you never know. Jake Glazer's not a beat reporter. That could just be speculation, of course. But yeah, it does, it does make you worried. I don't, I don't, I don't know that you want to risk it because if he winds up getting like 16 carries or something like one target that's going to be a pretty disappointing outcome but yeah if we knew he was the, the sole guy if, if it turns out bell's just not ready yet or whatever it would be an absolute autoplay all right let's get into wide receivers here do you think there's some value i mentioned keenan allen already um you know you, you already talked about the 40 targets over the three, three weeks that um since justin herbert comes in this one's a pretty easy play for me i think uh the price is not cheap you know, all that cheap. It's seven thousand on DraftKings. It's uh, it's it's definitely cheap enough on, on excuse me seven thousand on FanDuel, uh, sixty two hundred on DraftKings. It, with full PPR, this is really right where we want to be. It's a perfect matchup. It's the worst defense we've seen. Huge target share. All the famous last words for this guy to just disappear this week. This is <laughs> this is also football. Feels like this is what happens. But I mean, is there any reason to be talked out of Keenan Allen at this point, knowing that? They had a buy since that back spasm thing, so then there's really no additional reporting on that being a, a real injury or not. Um, I mean, can we just like move on after just discussing Keenan Allen here? Because that's kind of how this one feels easy, and I think we can maybe talk about this. Maybe the other guys aren't aren't as close. Yeah, he's still carrying a questionable tag, which is not ideal. But I do think that ultimately, the amount of raw targets you're going to get, like we'll watch it. I, I think if he plays, you can't worry about it. I don't, you know, back spasms are kind of funny because. That's the type of thing where you can feel fine and then leave a game early. But I think just the raw volume of targets and the quality of targets, too. Like, there's plenty of... I'm sure we'll be talking about another guy. Actually, I'm not sure. Uh, but I believe we'll be talking about another guy who gets a ton of targets. But his targets come from a much less qualified quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think starting with Allen is is a great place to begin. I believe you're talking about Jamison Crowder. Is that That's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Crowder is he's was not gonna be my next guy up, but I'll just I'll go into him now. Crowder. It's so hard because I hate we hate playing these court these wide receivers on these terrible teams with bad quarterbacks because they just can disappear really easily. And Crowder just has the Jets are never okay. I'll start here. The Jets are never gonna be winning a game. Um, I mean, they're just they're so bad. They're going to be playing if and if they are, it won't be for long. Like and so. They are just going to definitely be forced to throw the whole year. 
I, I, that I feel very confident about. The team is an absolute dumpster fire. Now, Flacco and Darnold, for all their warts, are at least competent. It's really like, like it's not, the, the Jets' problems really actually aren't so much the quarterback. It's like kind of everything else. Like, they don't have the offense lines like weird, and they gave money to all the wrong guys, and the defense sucks. But the quarterback play is not, is actually weirdly not their biggest problem. Hold on, and Flacco's so, horrible the last two weeks, well, right? Okay, he, sorry. He, he I, went 21 I more, for 44 last week. Yeah, okay. I guess I was more referring to Darnold. But I, 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 st- I actually still don't think he's the biggest problem. But I get what you're saying. Um but the the target share, to, it's it's like everything's bad, and the one thing that does kind of work is whoever's throwing to Crowder. Crowder, like right. that. Crowder throwing to Crowder, those plays are positive EV. It's basically every other play the Jets run that's simply awful. He's never going to score a touchdown, okay? Like, and if it, he's going to have to do all the work himself. That's that. Like, like the only touchdown he scored this year is it was like a sixty yard run or something after the catch. But in the games he's played this season, he's third overall in per game DraftKings scoring. Actually, do you want to take a guess? Who Calvary's first? I'll give you a. I'll give you twenty bucks if you can tell me who the second, who number two is. Hmm. At wide receiver. Yeah. Per game. Yeah. Well, now that I know that you're going to give me twenty bucks, I'm sure it's nobody that I I'm going to guess because my gut was telling me Devontae Adams. Doug, that, that's your guess. It's not Devontae Adams. I, well, I said my gut was telling me that, and I <laughs> don't tell me because I want your twenty bucks. It's it's a it's twenty twenty, buddy. COVID's hit us all pretty hard. Um. Chase Claypool? No, and I just said the name out loud, and you didn't miss it. It was Travis Fulgham. Travis Fulgham is averaging, in his three games, is averaging 22.5 DraftKings points per game. Um, No, uh, actually, I'll get to number five on the list here soon. But anyway, Crowder, it's just the the targets are consistently there. Um, His quality of targets is good because they're typically – he's not – they're not – they're not deep air yards targets. They're just short plays because that's just all the Jets can run also. It's just these kind of like out plays and stuff like that over mm-hmm. uh, over the middle stuff. So I actually do think he continues to remain safe because the game script is almost always going to favor him. And we have just seen week after week the quality of targets are there because he's just good enough to make up. And, the, and whatever scheme they're running is just good enough to kind of make up for the rest of the team being bad. So I think I'm actually okay with playing Crowder again. We played him last week. We played him the week before. Um it never feels good with these guys, but I think that we have enough tape on it now to say um, that I feel good about. It. The next guy is is, a, is is in a different mold, and it's not a guy that we've really played all that much in cash. This I don't know if we played him at all in cash this season. Actually, there was one week where he was uh, where he was chalk. Is DK Metcalf? Mm-hmm. Um, now Metcalf is weird. So he's der- he's the, he's the absolute opposite of Jameis Crowder. He is the targets aren't elite, but the type of targets are. And what I mean by that is. He is at the perfect intersection of getting close to double-digit targets, but his targeted air yards on the season are sixth overall, meaning he's getting like the best kind of targets, which are high-quality deep targets, which do lead to touchdowns. And there might be enough evidence to say that that is somewhat sustainable for him. And by the way, the group above him don't see any in the air yards thing. Don't see anywhere close to the amount of targets he gets. It's like Marquise Brown to Sean Jackson, who's been hurt. Mark uh, John Hightower. So you. So what I mean is, he's basically just actually first on this list. Um, if you just did it by like qualified targets, is that enough? Not a guy that we've been there a ton on, but. I don't know. I got. I started getting more and more excited about Metcalf as as I kind of dove into this, and maybe we're like a week or two behind on him, and that's fine. But um, what do you think here on Metcalf? Yeah. So this is one I, I want to approach somewhat cautiously, just because we tend to not see 
these relatively low target, high yards per catch guys perform at super elite levels um, consistently, right? So uh, like I'm looking back to last season, looking for wide receivers with just somewhat similar profile. And all the guys that lead the league in receiving yards, basically the top 15 or so guys, all had the, the minimum targets there was 118 targets, right? And the, But then you have Stefan Diggs. I, I wonder if he's a reasonable comp. So Diggs, last season, 94 targets, uh, caught 63 balls for 1,130 yards, six touchdowns. That seems to me to be kind of what you're hoping for for Metcalf. And obviously the quarterback play is better. You know, you could argue that people really love his talent too. So, you know, maybe that comes together as well. But it, it's... It's, it's very, very unusual uh, to have exactly this skill set of, you know, not getting very many targets, but actually turning the targets you do get into big yardage. Uh, by and large, you know, downfield target guys just tend to be a lot more erratic. You know, we're thinking back to the Mike Evans types, uh, T.Y. Hilton, uh, even Diggs last season. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm pretty lukewarm on Metcalf, actually. I think he's, you know, kind of a public play right now just based on, a really explosive start to the season. A lot of talk, like, you know, Russell Wilson allegedly compared him to Jerry Rice. Um, this is a guy who's got seven targets a game through the first four games of the year. And then he had 11 targets against Minnesota. But, um, but yeah, I can't say I'm over the moon about Metcalf. It seems like uh, chasing pass results to me. And I would be a little bit scared if we were on the wrong side of chalk against him too. So I, I he's the guy I like least out of the names you've listed so far, including Crowder, who's, you know, 1,100 less in a much worse situation. <laughs> Diggs was one of those top air yards guys uh, last year for what it's worth. So like they, yeah, they, that's they, what I mean. I, that's why I made the comp. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm yeah. just backing it up by saying that comp, which I knew you were just kind of pulling out. I'm looking at another, other numbers was correct. Um, the other guys that I threw out there for this week, uh, I think we can go back to Brandon cooks possibly. Um, he's actually now the target leader here in Houston um, by one over fuller has had, uh, really some pretty amazing weeks, but it actually had that one stinker um, where he just had, you know, zero catches. So I'm, you know, damning with faint praise uh, <laughs> on Cooks here because these these guys can kind of disappear. I'm going to roll through these because we're going to start going long here. But the uh, Cooks I have here, and I also have another week of Robbie Anderson. We did see the targets flop, flip-flop from him to DJ Moore last week. Um, I don't, I don't want to make much ado about nothing on that. Um, it, it's... There's going to be weeks like this. The you know the the run up to this had Anderson as just you know the guy that was the most targeted guy in the office. He still remains the highest targeted guy in Carolina. He still remains a top red zone threat, even though he has one touchdown. Um, either you, you know you can pick one of those two guys. They're, they're sort of in the same price range here. Uh, does one stand out to you over the other? Oh yeah, I'll take Anderson. Um, I don't want to chase the guy who just had more target share last week. Also, just because frankly. It's not like more lit the world on fire with that increased target share, right? Like he got, uh, I can't remember how many targets now, but yeah, eleven targets. Only sorry, real quick, real quick. No, no, I was comparing. I wasn't saying DJ Moore. I'm saying Brandon Cooks or Robbie Anderson. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, okay, I'm not going to DJ Moore. I know I was saying the DJ Moore thing, but gotcha, gotcha. I was yeah, I'll take Brandon Cooks in that equation. I think um, Cooks does have the, quite a bad game from a few weeks ago, but back to back weeks where he was Watson's most efficient target and. With how little is working in Houston, it's hard for me to believe that they would go away from one thing that really does definitively seem to be working. Well, last two weeks, 17 catches on 21 targets for 239 yards. So that's that's pretty darn solid, right? So I think um, 
I, I think Cooks, and Cooks is very cheap as well, 5,900. You get that extra little savings for Anderson on a week where pricing is going to feel a little weird, I think. Uh, and part of that is tight end, which we'll get to momentarily. But yeah, I think I'd lean Cooks there. All right, let's get into tight end. Um, I don't want to pay up a tight end. Who do you want to play? Go. George Kittle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just don't know who you're supposed to play otherwise. So the case for Kittle, I think, is actually pretty straightforward. Um, actually, the, the one potentially unstraightforward thing about it is that we've seen New England bottle up some tight ends who are coming off good stretches, uh, notably Darren Waller when we played them against New England earlier this season. Tight end is just absolutely horrendous, and... Our system actually wants to dabble in either Kittle or Kelsey, which is really rare. Like to for it to even be considering Kelsey at seventy nine hundred, it almost feels like something is is off. Um, I see those guys as essentially the same. Obviously, Kelsey has better quarterback play, but Kittle's offense relies on him more. Uh, last week against the Rams, Kittle targeted ten times, caught seven balls for one hundred nine yards and a touch. Uh, he was kind of absent against Miami. He had his truly explosive week against Philly the week before that. So yeah, I, I could play Kittle this week if we can get enough savings elsewhere. Uh, the lower range is just a, it's just a who's who of guys who come and go from week to week, right? Um, Johnny Smith was chalk. He was almost 60% owned last week. He helped his owners out by catching one ball for 13 yards. Um, you know, we dabbled in some Austin Hooper, who's still lingering around our cash game lineups this week. He was like respectable, but still awful when you, like if you're comparing any of these guys against the standards from other positions, uh, they're truly horrendous, but we got to play somebody. I'll tell you one guy who could be like at least moderately exciting is Darren Fells. Uh, Jordan Aikens were to miss again. Uh, he's currently in the concussion protocol. It's sort of uncertain as to whether he'll return for week seven here. I think that would open up Darren Fells as an interesting play. Uh, he was targeted seven times, caught six balls for 85 yards and a touch last week. And, it just seems like with tight ends, we're just continually looking towards the guy who was decent last week and just hoping he'll be decent this week. So maybe like Anthony Ferkser, he he took a lot of John Well, he's actually share last week. He's um, interesting in the, if Janu because Janu left with that injury. So if Ferkser was just the starter, then I think I could probably talk myself into it. I don't want to do yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's. Right. I don't want to do it if Janu's back because like he he's like the same as Fells to me. These guys are all the same. Yeah, Ferkser yeah, just think, like took he got a big game because he just took over for Janu when he left with a sprain, his ankle sprain. So. Um, sure. that, that situation, like those are the only places I can probably talk myself into going cheap is just that the last man standing, I'm with you on the, I'm with you on the Kittle piece where it's like new England looks at that and says, yo, who do we need to stop? Just this one guy, right? <laughs> like yeah. they, you know, they lose Mostert now. So their running game is, is a little bit compromised. It's clear who their best pass catching just threat is. And that's Kittle. And we've seen time and time again, new England just say, we're just going to make sure, you, you know, it's like when, it's like when, uh, when Phil Leotardo wanted to whack the Soprano crew, and he's like, "We'll cut off, we'll cut off their heads and do business with what's left." Like that's kind of like what the, that's sort of like what the Patriots take uh, when it comes to passing game is like, "We'll just take you out and you just, you, you you deal with what's left." <laughs> and what's left is like you exactly. know the Debo Samuels and Brandon Ayuk's of the world. And I don't know, I could just we just seen it so many times in New England with them doing that. That's the only thing that worries me about that situation. And Kittle's been obviously amazing. He's been unbelievable. He's easily the best tight end in football right now, uh, from a maybe from a real life and from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, since when when he actually plays, uh, top story. Yeah, Kelsey's right there, but yeah, they're 
I agree. He's 800 cheaper. He's more than 10% cheaper than Kelsey. So that's the tipping point. Yeah, and he's, I mean, I know it's fewer games, but he's averaging, you know, more, almost three points more DraftKings points per game than Kelsey is. And Kelsey, they they, they kind of sit. Yeah, a lot of that's weighted into one game. So, you know, averages can get tough there. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He's still, we're, we're picking nets for sure. All right. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the injury situation. We'll be, for those other teams, like we mentioned, we'll be back tomorrow with a game by game breakdown where we'll roll through every game of the main slate. Buddy, uh, talk to you tomorrow when we break those games down. Peace.